0: If you would take your Bible and turn to Second Samuel chapter eleven, and we're going to begin reading verses one through five. Or if you got the church app, you can either press the Bible there or go straight to the sermon and press the blue scriptures there, and they'll open up for you. Second Samuel chapter eleven, verses one through five. And again, we'll be looking at uh, a good bit of that chapter eleven, but I want us to just start out in verses one through five as we've been on this series about too great a temptation. Joyce and I have uh, six grandchildren. And uh, of those six grandchildren, most of them like to go on what we call trail adventures. They, uh, they love, it doesn't matter whether it's a trail that someone has created for people to uh, take a walk through the woods or one that they've created themselves, they just love that adventure. They love to go on these trail adventures. And uh, when we go on those trail adventures, I usually try to remind them of r and R. Now the R&R doesn't stand for what a lot of us are used to R&R standing for, rest and relaxation, but the R&R stands for rocks and roots. Because when we go on these trail adventures and uh, there's usually some loose rocks or there's some roots above the ground, and so inevitably if we don't warn them about it and they don't watch for it, they'll end up slipping on a rock or tripping on a root, which ends up one of them falling and getting hurt and crying and it turns the great adventure into a sad adventure. So we try to remind them of the rocks and the roots so that they don't fall and they don't get hurt and so they can continue to enjoy the pleasure and not have the pain. Well, temptations in life are kind of like that same way. The trail that temptations lead us on are always full of things that are designed to trip us up and to cause us to fall and to end up in pain. That's the way that the devil uses temptations temptations, to trip us up and to get us to fall into sin. And you know, these temptation trails, you know, a matter of fact, even this uh, title of this message, Temptations Trail, when the Lord spoke to me about uh, that message and that title, and he began to show me some things in the scripture that I had not fully seen before, my first thought was, I don't really like that title, Temptations Trail. It doesn't sound catchy enough. It doesn't grab you. I think I'll change it to something else like guard your heart or something like that. But the Lord reminded me not to mess with his stuff. So we're staying with Temptations Trail. And he reminded me that the reason that he wanted me to call it Temptations Trail is because that there may be some people in here today that you're traveling down the trail of some temptations. You have been warned about the rocks and the roots that are going to cause you to slip and fall into sin and mess your life up. And you'll go from a point of being in pleasure to being in a point in pain. You see, temptation's trail usually starts out with something that seems somewhat of an innocent pleasure and ends up with something of an enormous pain. And we want to avoid, avoid that. So let's, let's read 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5. And we'll read this out of the NIV translation this morning. But let's read that together and then find out Something that one man found out the hard way. And that's a man named David who was king of Israel. And here's what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 11 in verses 1 through 5. It says, In the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, and Joab was the commander of his army. He sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabah. But David remained in Jerusalem. You'll notice in that scripture, verse 1, there's kind of a double emphasis. When other kings were going off to war, David stayed there and sent them. And then after it says that they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Reba, then the Bible tells us David still remained in Jerusalem. Now verse 2 says, One evening David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And then David sent messengers to get her. And she came to him and he slept with her. And she had purified herself from her uncleanness. And then the Bible says, And then she went back home and in verse 5 it says, The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. I want to kind of pause there for a moment as we look at these scriptures because those words I am pregnant when David hears that king of Israel a man that has been kind of identified in the scriptures as a man after God's own heart a man that the people praise for his not only his uh, ability to militarily have great victories but a man who has been one who has sang the praises out openly and wrote songs about God. And so he has not only an image of a great king who everyone admires, but this man after God's own heart that can write songs that capture the hearts of people to sing praises to God. And now he hears the words from a sin that he's committed that he has got a woman that's not his wife pregnant and this woman belongs to another man. And it wasn't something that David wasn't aware of as far as her belonging to another man because the Bible tells us that when he wanted to find out about her, that they told her, isn't this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And Uriah happened to be part of David's army. And so he was a man that was very committed to David and his leadership. And so when David hears these words that she has sent back saying, I am pregnant... His trail of temptation has gone from this moment of pleasure to the magnitude of a problem that he's got to take care of. And you know, that's the way the devil usually does is he leads us down that way. And so as I look at these scriptures, I said that the Lord began to reveal to me some things about temptation's trail. The trail that the devil leads us down, temptation to get us to fall into sin. Some things that I had not fully seen before when I looked at these scriptures. Because, you see, when you begin this trail of temptation, here's how it usually goes. And if you got your app, you'll see this. The first thing is, it goes this way. You end up being somewhere you shouldn't be. When you're going down temptation's trail, you end up being somewhere you should not be. Now, I've been on different adventures and different trails, and uh, I can remember one time that I was riding some trails on a motorcycle, and it was on a trail that I had not been on before. And we were having a good time. It was me and Joyce's dad, and we were jumping some hills and doing different things, and I had been to this one place that I had not been to before, and I could see that some people had, had jumped this hill on their motorcycles. And so I jumped that hill, and as I cleared that hill, I saw there was another little bit of a hill, and I thought, You know, there's that little moment you kind of hesitate. You think, should I go for it? Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know where this leads. Ah, it looks like there's tire tracks. I'm going for it. So I gunned it again and hit that second trail or hit that second hill. And when I hit that second hill and I was airborne, while I was in the air, I heard a car horn go. And I'm thinking while I'm in the air, I'm supposed to be on a trail in the woods And there's not supposed to be cars out here. And I look while I'm in the air, and I see there's pavement and there's a road. And I look to my left, and there comes that car that I just heard the horn. And immediately in that moment, even back at my hesitation, I'm thinking, I'm fixing to be a a hood ornament. And so it doesn't do much good, but in the air, I put my brakes on. Don't do much good in the air, but I'm hoping it'll do some good if I hit before I hit the car. And by God's grace, he sat me down on the ground just before I hit the pavement, and I saw the car go, whew. My next thought was, what kind of idiot is that? He never even hit his brakes or nothing. (laughs) Then I'm thinking, wait a minute, I was the one that was the idiot, jumping a trail that I had, or a hill that I didn't know anything about. And by God's grace, I didn't become a hood ornament that day. But I was somewhere I shouldn't be. Jumping something I should not have jumped. And I looked at these scriptures, and the Bible tells us in those first couple of verses that the Bible tells that David was at the palace when the Bible says that kings were at war. And it says that when his men went out with the leadership of Joab and they got the victory, David stayed at Jerusalem. The Bible's kind of giving us a picture that he was at a place he shouldn't have been at. He should have been somewhere else at that time. And temptation's trail usually starts that way with you being somewhere you should not have been. Somewhere you shouldn't be. And you know the devil loves to get us in places where we shouldn't be, doesn't he? He loves to get us in a trap that will lead us into a temptation that will lead us into sin. So temptation's trail, what God's trying to reveal to us today is that when we look at this, don't end up being places you shouldn't be at because you'll end up in a temptation that will end up leading you into a sin being somewhere we shouldn't be is not only being at a place we shouldn't be at which David was even though there's nothing wrong with being at the palace but the Bible says that the kings were out to war and he would have normally been where his men were but it also reminds us that we're with people we shouldn't be with David took a glimpse from the rooftop in the evening and looked out and he saw Bathsheba and at that moment he had a desire for her and The devil took that desire and he began to get David connected with Bathsheba. And you know, there's nothing wrong with connecting with people, but sometimes the devil can get us connected with people that we shouldn't be connected with because the Bible says that the messengers told David, isn't this the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Reminding him that, you know, you know this man, he's part of your army. This is a woman that is a married woman. You see, the Bible's reminding us that this temptation trail leads us to places where we shouldn't be at with people that we shouldn't be with. And David had no business being with Bathsheba. And so we get, sometimes the devil will put us in these temptations that will lead us into being with people with a deeper, listen, if you listen, say amen. With a deeper connection than we need to be developing. I have connections, I have friendships as a pastor and as church members and as family with people throughout this congregation. But with those who have opposite sex, I have to make sure that I keep some distance and not get too deep in those connections. David was going deeper and not only can those connections go deeper than they should go, but the devil is very good at getting us connected with people that are a bad influence on us. That will kind of be an instrument that the devil will lead us in a direction. And you know I I think we've preached on this on youth services before that the devil is very good, especially not only young people but people of all ages, getting us connected with somebody that is a bad influence on our life. And we something about the personality. You know we they, even in marriages they talk about how that opposites attract, which means that one person has one personality trait, maybe they're kind of quiet, and the other one's just outgoing, and they're attracted to one another because the person that's quiet really would like to kind of feel like they're part of the crowd, but they're too bashful and too awkward to get into it. And so the other person doesn't have a problem with that, so they're attracted to that because that'll get them kind of in with the crowds of other people. The opposite kind of attract. And sometimes it is in a bad way that that happens when we kind of would like to be part of what we think is the in crowd or the people who are doing things or the people who are popular And we get connected with people that start influencing us in a wrong direction. The Bible's telling us that temptation's trail begins with you being somewhere you shouldn't be, a place you shouldn't be at, and with people that you shouldn't be with. And that's the devil's number one stop on the trail of temptation. He's got a lot of different stops along the way, places to grab us. Some of you may be familiar how trails have little different stops along the way. If you've been on some trails and maybe it's a, a place that has a, a big history behind it of maybe things of the past that have occurred in that area, and so you come to one and there'll be a little plaque there and you stop and you read that plaque plaque and you find out a little bit about what happened to that area, or you maybe go to another one and then you read another little plaque and it tells you a little bit about that. It has all these different stops. Sometimes there's things that you can do, even exercise-wise, they're like that. Uh, I remember over at Doc College, I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have a kind of little exercise trail, and you'd stop at one place, and you'd do some chin-ups, and you stop at another place and do some push-ups. These little stops, well, the devil takes us along the temptation trail, and the first stop he wants to take you at is a place that you shouldn't be at with people you shouldn't be with. Are you starting to get where God's trying to reveal to us? Temptations trail. The second thing that we see from these scriptures is you doing things you shouldn't be doing. You see, once the devil gets us somewhere we shouldn't be at with somebody we shouldn't be with, then he gets us doing things we shouldn't be doing. If you look at these scriptures in that verses 2 through 4, it reminds us that David was looking at something he shouldn't be looking at. It says that he was from the rooftop, he was looking down and he saw Bathsheba bathing. He saw a woman that at that very moment, he should have, and that's at that moment that the devil takes his eyes and captures his heart, which leads to him lusting. But the devil used his eyes to begin to set this trap of putting him into sin. And so David is looking at something he shouldn't be looking at. It's the very first warning signal that you're headed down the wrong part of the trail that's going to lead you to disaster in your life. that is when you're looking at something you shouldn't be looking at. And the world has lots of opportunities, doesn't it? Lots of opportunities for us to be looking at things we shouldn't be looking at. Whether it's pornography on the uh, internet or whether it's some magazine or something that somebody has Snapchatted to us. I mean, it's just like, wow. If we were to go back 20 years and we talk to some people that are not alive today and say, well, here's the things that's happening in the areas of temptation with pornography on the internet. What? What's the internet? You know what? And uh, Snapchatting. Snap what? Snapchatting. Is that where people say smart aleck remarks to each other? Snapchatting? So all these things are made available to us to. Have those moments of looking at things that we shouldn't be looking at, which leads to participating in something we shouldn't be involved in, something we shouldn't be doing. You see, the Bible tells us that David's messengers told him about this, and yet David had them to go get Bathsheba and bring him to her, or her to him. And the Bible tells us that he slept with her, he lay with her, different translations. Basically, it's letting us know that he had a sexual relationship with Bathsheba. And, you know, when you look at this, when, as you're reading through the Scripture, we don't know if all the details are there, but it seems to be somewhat of a spontaneous action, doesn't it? Cowboy says, yeah. And if Cowboy says, yeah, we know that's, that's the way it is, right? Some of y'all are laughing too hard. It appears to be somewhat of a spontaneous action. David seemed to have taken action without thinking about the thoughts behind it, Right? That's usually where we get in trouble, those spontaneous actions, isn't it? Those things that we can do real quickly on the moment, get caught up in the, the excitement of it, and then the next thing we know, we've taken some action that is going to result in some pain and suffering in our life. You see, what if David had taken a moment and he thought about those songs, those poetic songs he'd written about the Lord? What if he had taken a moment and maybe just pulled out the scriptures and read what the Bible had to say what if he had taken a moment and thought okay if I do this here's what could happen is, is there anybody in here that's that your mindset is that you always think the worst could happen anybody like that few people <laughs> at first I thought nobody's gonna raise their hand then a bunch of hands went up so all of you that saw those hands go up be careful They're always thinking the worst. Now, there are are some times that when things could go wrong, there is a mindset that we think to the greatest extent of what could go wrong. What if David had at least just thought about what the consequences could have been to his actions that he would take at that moment? Could things have turned out greatly different? I think so. So temptations trail. The second stop is you doing something you shouldn't be doing. The third stop that the temptation trail has for us is you trying to hide something you shouldn't have gotten involved in. You see, once David finds out that she is pregnant, if we were to read on through the scriptures in verses 5 through 14, we'll see that the next thing he does is he decides he's got to hide what he should have never gotten involved in to start with. He's got to hide it. And so if we were to read on together, we'd see that David's first step is okay, Uriah is part of my military, he's been away from his wife. And and this seems like a very ingenious plan, wouldn't you say, here's what it is. He says, I'm gonna bring Uriah, he's been out in the military fighting, hadn't been with his wife, I'm gonna bring him in, kind of see how things are going, tell him, you know, hey, just take the night off from the war, he'll go be with his wife, they'll have a sexual relationship, when the baby's born, everybody will assume it's when he came home to be with his wife. Ingenious plan. But what he didn't realize is that Uriah is so committed and doesn't want to be outside of what everybody else is having to do that he doesn't go even and see his wife. David finds out, and so he thinks, All right, I got to step this up. You know, that's the way that temptation's trail goes? You got to step it up a little more. And so David thinks, All right, here's what I'll do I'll bring him back in, I'll talk to him, I'll offer him some wine, I'll get him drunk. When he's drunk, he won't be able to reason all this out. He'll go and see his wife, and everything will be okay. He even gets him drunk with wine, and he still doesn't go. He keeps trying to hide the situation that he's gotten involved in, but hiding it doesn't work. And so David finally comes to a point that he decides, I've got to eliminate the problem. And so David, plan B. I'll hide it by saying that he's been with his wife, And it's his child. So I'll put him in the heat of the battle and he won't be able to survive. And then I'll take her as my wife and nobody will ever know anything different. Plan B worked. But the Bible tells us that Uriah died. A man lost his life. His wife is in mourning, Bathsheba, because she's lost her husband. Matter of fact, her whole life is just crashing in on her. All because. David is trying to hide something that he shouldn't have got involved with to start with. But you know what? That's the way it goes. That's temptation's trail. You're starting to see it. You're at some place that you shouldn't be with people you shouldn't be with, doing something you shouldn't be doing, and then trying to hide what you shouldn't even have gotten involved in to start with. And So then we come to the fourth and final stop on temptation's trail, and that is The fourth stop is you affecting the lives of others as well as putting your life in a mess. You see, if we read the last of those verses, 15 through 27, and maybe even go on through the next few chapters, we'll see that he damaged the lives of innocent people. Uriah had done nothing wrong. He had been faithful to David and faithful to Israel and faithful to the army, and yet he lost his life. Bathsheba was just trying to go out and take a bath during the dark hours now, her whole life is devastated. The Bible even goes on to tell us that the baby, once it's born, ends up dying. It's just one devastation after the other. And it's all because David did something that affected the life of others as well as his. Matter of fact, if we were to go on and read other chapters, that we'll see that, that David's whole family just becomes a mess. There becomes the thing of rape in his family. There becomes a son that turns against him and tries to take the kingdom away. It's just one mess after the other. And we can look at that and just say, well, that's probably just how his lifestyle would have been. But yet as I study the Bible, I see that it all began with one man going down temptation's trail and committing a sin that led to a life that was just messed up. Now, did God still love David? He sure did. And did David continue to try to be a man after God's heart? He did. But there was consequences that came with it. Could David have asked God to forgive him and God forgiven him? Yes. But there are some things that the consequences just follow the actions. Everybody understands that, right? There is just consequences that follow the actions. And we could probably take the next few hours of this, day and say all right, anybody got a testimony that could confirm that and probably a few folks would be thinking oh man have I got a testimony but I don't know what and then somebody would come up and they would share theirs and then somebody else would come up and share theirs and the next thing you know we'd be here for a few hours with one testimony after another the thing is I believe that God wants to do in some hearts and lives today is he doesn't want you to be another statistic to that reality I believe that you can go down temptation's trail and you can make some mistakes and be carrying the consequences and God can forgive you and he can take your life and put it on a better path and he will do that even though there are consequences that come he'll put you on a better path. But I think most every testimony would say this, don't go down the same trail that I went. Don't go down the same trail That I went. You know, when you look back at this, what was the first thing that I said about Temptations Trail? Usually it starts out with something that seems somewhat of an innocent pleasure, but it ends up as something of an enormous problem. And David's life is an example of that. So, why don't you just take some advice from, even though we're not going to take the next few hours and hear testimonies. I want you just take some advice from some other people and don't go down that same trail. Stop in your tracks, stop the Temptations Trail, and get your path on the right direction. Lord, we come to you today, and God, we ask you, Lord, to be with us in a special way as we come to this point of this invitation. And Lord, there's probably, as I was preaching through this message, there was probably some people in this service that were thinking, I know of somebody that's going down Temptations Trail and they're fixing to end up in a mess if something doesn't change so I want to just as the musicians are coming right now if you know of somebody that's headed down and I want you to listen very carefully if you know of somebody that's headed down Temptations Trail and the end looks like it's going to be painful and be a problem why don't you just go ahead and step out of your pew and come down at the altar right now and would you just pray to God to intervene in their life to take the scales from their eyes and help them to see the reality of what Satan is trying to do would you do that to try to spare somebody the pain and the problems that are inevitably going to come their way if they don't make some changes right now in their life would you come it might be a friend praying for another friend might be a child praying for their parent or a parent praying for their child but would you come be a real friend and at least take the first step to pray for a friend that you know is headed down the wrong path. Would you come right now and just pray for them? And while that's happening, if you know that God's speaking to you about where you're at, this is your opportunity to just go ahead and just flow in with the crowd. Nobody knows whether you're going to pray for somebody else or pray for yourself, but just go ahead and be a part of the flow. Be a part of those who are coming to the altar. And just come and pray for yourself. Come and confess what trail you're on right now and ask God to deliver you from that because in this service there may be a husband or a wife that you're headed down temptation's trail that's going to mess up your marriage and your family and you need to come desperately right now God's giving you a chance you need to move on it there may be a young person right now that you've got some sensations going on inside of you that needs to be controlled and you need to turn it over to God before it becomes a mess You need to come right now and just say, God, things things are getting out of control right now. You're speaking to me and I've got to respond to you. Would you just come right now? Young and old alike should be coming and kneeling at this altar right now, either praying for others or praying for yourself before somebody's life gets in a mess going down temptation's trail. Would you do that right now? Lord, we come to you. And God, I thank you, Lord, for those who have already come. Some are in this altar and they're praying for somebody that is dear to their heart. They've seen some things happening. They have been just troubled. And what they see the end of that result is going to be. Because temptation's trail is not one that we can't figure out. It is pretty obvious. So God, I pray that you'd hear their prayers. And God, that you'd intervene based on their plea to you, to others in their life. And Lord, there may be some that are in this altar right now. It may be a husband, it may be a wife, it may be a, a teenager. It might be somebody that's just visiting. I don't know, but Lord, there may be somebody that's here right now. If they're praying for themselves. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd hear their prayer and give them strength to get the victory in their life before the temptation trail leads to devastation in their own personal life. David was known as a man after God's own heart. He really impacted lives. But it sure could have been a lot better. Lord, have your will. In your name we pray. Amen.